Thank you for coming. It's been a fun week celebrating these children and celebrating these baptisms, so I'm glad you're here to be with us. If you're joining us online, thank you. It's great to see you and have you with us. Actually, I can't see you, but you can see me, but it's great to have you. Um, You know, about 20 years ago, my wife Hope and I signed our first mortgage. We bought our first house. I don't know if you remember doing that, but I started reading the contract, and I thought, oh, my word, I better not mess up because it's like my life could go away. All these clauses and on this date and do that. And, and I, you know, getting in a house is a great thing, but, man, you, you, you give up some autonomy. You give up some control. You know, when we come to Jesus, there is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly, but th- there's some things we, we sign up for that Jesus is going to do in our lives and through our lives, and I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you open it to Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to go through verse 11, uh, wrestle with this question, what happens when we submit to Christ? What happens, in a sense, when we sign up with Christ? Luke 5, 1 to 11. So here's our passage starts. It says, now it happened while the crowd was pressing around him, him being Jesus, and listening to the word of God. I want to stop there. Jesus is speaking the word of God. That's probably not a surprise to many of us. We recognize him to be the son of God. But that was an authoritative term. It was used in the Old Testament. When somebody was speaking God's word, that gave them a unique authority. And Jesus is recognized as, as being a person of authority, and, and pers- people are showing up. You know, it's always hard to illustrate a spiritual principle with human illustration, but imagine Tom Osborne saying he's going to give a a clinic on coaching. How many coaches, football coaches from across Nebraska do you think would show up? They'd have to hold it in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Why? Because the guy's in authority. He won. What was your secret? What did you do? Well, that's kind of what's going on here. People have realized Jesus has got a unique power. He's unique among spiritual leaders, among prophets. So he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. So some fishermen have come in. Day's starting. Crowds are gathering. Jesus is there. How big is the crowd? Verse 3. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from land. It is so big. Hey, Simon, I need to use your boat, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out because I, I, the crowd's getting so big. I, I need to get back so I can... I can see and address everybody. And asked to put out a little way from the land. He sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. At some point, Jesus finishes teaching, and he's done. We think he'd call it a day, but no, he he engages with Peter uh, or Simon. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking to the crowd, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Whoa. I mean, Jesus is a carpenter. He's a spiritual leader, but but Peter's trained as a fisherman. And they just come in, and, and here's Jesus giving them a command to go out. And, you know, part of Peter might want to say, Jesus, why don't you just stay in your lane? Look. I'm a fisherman, you're a carpenter, you're a preacher. Jesus, you just, shh, shh, 
if you're going to follow Jesus, okay, we're talking about following Jesus. You're going to follow Jesus. He's going to get in your business. Okay, he's going to, in a sense, step out of his lane into yours, and he's going to talk to you about your job and, and who you should date and, and how you should spend your money and how you should spend your time. And he might say, you shouldn't be watching this and that. And it's kind of like, Jesus, kind of get out of my business. What are you going to do when Jesus steps in? What are you going to do when he pushes you out of your comfort zone and it doesn't seem to make sense? Well, look how Simon answers, verse 5. And Simon answers said, Master, we worked hard all night. Now, understand, the best time to fish is at night. We worked hard all night and caught nothing, zero. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Why are you doing this, Peter? Because it's Jesus. It doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't seem to fit, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because Jesus said so. Are you there? I'm going to do it because Jesus said so. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't, but, but I, I'm sensing his leading. I'm sensing his calling. I'll do it. So Peter does. Uh, what's the result? When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. How many? So big that their nets began to break. So now we've got a problem. So they signaled their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, but then they got another problem, so they began to sink. Something very supernatural is going on. They've been out fishing. This is not El Nino or La Nina. This is God at work. They caught nothing Primetime fishing, they caught nothing. She says, once you go out, buddy, we're washing our nets. We're kind of tired, but okay. It, it's gotten so big, it's breaking the nets, and it's sinking two boats. This is no accident. This is God at work. Does Peter have all his theology figured out at this point? No. If you follow the Gospels through over a period of a three-year time, he'll figure it out, and Jesus at one point will say, who do you say I am, and... and and Peter will say, I, I believe you're the Son of God. But Peter doesn't have that figured out right now. But, but he understands this is a unique agent of God, if you'll let me use that term. It's something that's, that's different, like no other human being. So here's how P Peter responds in verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. When he realizes he's come into contact with Holy God, he says, I, I, I go away, I, I'm out, I'm done. And she said, you're right, Peter, you are, get lost. No, 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 that, that's not. That's not how it starts. Jesus is just getting started. Now, this hits on something that's very fundamental to our faith. We think we've got to have it figured out. We think we've got to be together. And, and Peter reminds us, that's not the case. Rachel Gibson wrote, again, born again this way. She made this comment. Doesn't matter where you start. Doesn't matter where you come from. He is not hindered. His love and his grace are more than sufficient. Jesus is always, always 
more than we expect. Do you believe that? What does that mean, Andy? I, I, I can't. I, it's just more than we expect. I came to faith in February of 1979. So I'm coming up on 42 years. And I want to tell you, from my experience, Jesus has always, has always been more than I've expected. Hasn't been? Has been disappointments, hurts, heartache? Yeah. But in the end, he has always been more than I expected. And But Peter's not alone in this. Uh, verse 9, they respond this way, for amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. They're, they're, they're overwhelmed with wonder and awe. What is this? Well, who are these people he's with? Verse 10, first part of verse 10. So also were James and John, sons of Zebedee. So Peter's got two friends, James and John. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Number one command, God says to his people, do not fear. You're a mess, yeah, but that's okay. Do not fear. Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. Peter, I got another purpose for you. It's not about fishing for fish. It's about fishing for people. I'm going to work through you as rough and as unpolished as you are. I'm going to do a work in you, and I'm going to work through you. I'm going to use you to draw others to me. What happens when we submit to Christ? Jesus promises us to work through us to draw people to himself. Jesus promises to work through us to draw people to himself. So that means I have to be a pastor, I have to be a missionary. I mean, you could, but not, no, it's, it's not qualified to that. Well, I mean, I just drive my kids to school. I just do that. God's got you right where he wants you. You understand, I, I, just, I just work at a, a local fast food. Jesus got you right, right there, right there. He wants to draw people through you. Remember, Peter doesn't have much position. He doesn't have much power. But that doesn't stop Jesus I'm going to work through you. Uh, then verse 11, this is how Peter and his friends respond. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They decided this Jesus was worthy of their all, and they left everything and followed him. God has that kind of claim on our life. Does he call some to make a radical thing of leaving job and country? Yeah. But all of us were called to put everything of value, everything we cherish on the altar and say it yours. We leave everything to follow him. I talked about these last three weeks about us being in this search for a purpose individually and corporately. I believe God wants to work through us individually to draw people to himself, but I, I think he has that purpose for us as a body of believers. We phrased it this way, being Christ in our community. We're out serving in the schools. We did a granola bar drive, and we're doing stuff right now, parent-teacher conferences, this is Campbell. We're, we're doing stuff. Why? Because we want to represent Jesus well in the hope that he'll work through us. Not that we're great. We're, we see ourselves a lot like Peter. We're, we're pretty rough. We're pretty desperate. Jesus promises to work through those kind of individ people individually and corporately. Being Christ in our community, that's our way of nuancing what Jesus told Peter. I want to work through you. I will make you a fisher of men. And as that, we've seen 
really three components to this process. And the first is that we're growing. And we see Peter growing first in, in recognizing who Jesus is, getting a picture, being amazed, being awed. And, and I think that's a lifetime. Um, and then we see Peter being obedient. When Jesus said, put down your net, he puts down his net. So one, one thing we see is grow. Another thing we see is connect. We saw all three of these people leave together to follow Jesus. I don't know if they could have done that by themselves. But together, they're connected. They leave together to follow Jesus. And honestly, I think grow and connect go together. We're growing when we're connected with other believers. They're not inseparable. And sometimes radical obedience that Jesus calls for in our life, we need someone to come alongside us to strengthen us to go. Before I came here, I was a, we lived in Arizona. I was church of a, a, a pastor of a small church, and it just wasn't working out. So the elders and I decided we'd take six months. We went public so everybody would know. And within a month of that, there's a church in Tucson that's looking for pastors. So I sent them a resume, and they asked me, on a Saturday, they asked me to drive up. It's only about an hour from Sierra Vista. Service to the two sons. So we go, and our kids are three and a half years old and nine months. And we go around, and we talk, and we have interviews, and, blah, blah, blah. and we finish the day, and we get in the car. My wife says to me, Andy, they're going to ask you to come candidate. Great. I'm like, I need a job. I, got five. I need a job. They're going to ask you to come candidate, and I don't think you should do it. That's not what I wanted to hear. And I said to my wife, do you understand that this nine-month-old sitting behind you and this three-and-a-half-year-old sitting behind me, they have zero earning power. We have a mortgage. But Andy, we said when we're going to do this, we're going to trust God and we're going to believe his leading. I don't think this is his leading. It was an hour drive back from Tucson to Sierra Vista. Those of you who are married, have you ever had a quiet drive? Quiet? Shh, nobody's talking. We had one of those drives. I was mad. She was feeling stressed. We were going to talk about this. We didn't agree. So, so we get there. We pull in the driveway, and she says, she says, Andy, I've changed my mind. Good. You've seen the light. She said, you know, if you want to take this church, that's fine, but just go back and talk to the elders at Sierra Vista because it is the same church in principle. They're the same two churches, and I'd much rather live in Sierra Vista than I would in Tucson. It's a much nicer city, and they will take you back. At this point, I'm thinking about all the verses in the Bible that talk about women being silent. I think, I'm mad. But you know what? She was right. But I didn't want to hear it. It took me about 24 hours. They did, in fact, ask me to come candidate, and I decided not to do it. But I needed someone walking with me to obey the Lord. Grow and connect are, are they're linked so grow, connect, and then the third step is serve. Um, how did Jesus make initial connection here in our passage? He, he met them at their point of need. They were fishermen. Hey, let me, let me catch you in your fishing. I need you to obey me. And he showed himself. And that's what we're hoping to do, hoping to serve people that they might come to Christ. Why do we want to be? Christ in our community because of who Jesus is. He is the mighty, powerful, awesome God. 
He is the one who calls in a catch of fish. He is the one who calls people back from the dead. He is God. And because of who he is, we want to serve him this way. Not that we have anything in and of ourselves. We feel very much like Peter. But we trust that he will use us. As a pastor, I often pray with people before surgery. You know, when you, when you go into surgery, it, it's an act of trust. I mean, you get put to sleep or you have a local anesthetic and that doctor's going to cut and he's going to move in and he's going he's to take something out or he's going to reattach something or he's going to do something. You better trust that he or she knows what she's doing. Well, that's what Jesus calls us to. I, I need you to trust me, except I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to make you new on the inside. You have a rebellious heart. When you come to me, I forgive your rebellion, and I change your heart so you can live the way you're designed. When we get to that point, like we saw with Peter, God says, I can use you. But that is a work of Christ. We're trusting once we submit that he works through us to draw others to himself. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for uh, this word that you draw people to your, work through us to draw people to yourself. Uh, we recognize there's nothing in and of us that makes us worthy, but it's your power and your grace. We trust that you will use us individually and corporately to draw others. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And before the worship team closes us in a final song, I just want to bring you up to date about what is going on in our body. Uh, this passage talked about leaving everything to follow Christ. And in a way, we've experienced that as a church this past week or two. Oh, a couple years ago, Cody Gerke, who is our student pastor, uh, began to do seminary online. He had a cohort of friends. Many of them were at Lincoln Berean. And he developed some friendships there. And last January, they said, hey, we've got a college pastor position open. What do you think? Cody said, well, let me talk to my wife and pray, and then let me talk to Andy. And so he came to me, and um, I said, well, I really don't want you to go, but it might be God's leading. He has done such a good job of building a team of people. Cody, maybe this is God's next step for you. Well, Andy, if you guys cherish him here so much, why? Because we're a local expression of God's greater church, and we need to think in kingdom principles. So long story short, there were some ebbs and flows in this process, but about two weeks ago, Cody accepted that position, and we've been letting people know. You know, this is very hard for us as a team. Uh, Next to my family, I, I think these six people, or five other people I work with, are the people I'm probably closest to. I see them every day. Um, Thursday, we had a planning time, and we went out to lunch. And as a team, we reflected back on the last six months, because on March 15th was the first Sunday we were closed because of the pandemic. So it's been about six months, March to September. And we just thought, boy, we've experienced a lot, and we talked that through. What about, and what did you learn, and this and that? And Cody was a part of that conversation. Uh, the good news is he's not going two states away. He's going across O Street, so we won't be that far. But we're not kidding ourselves. We won't see him every day uh, like we did. So um, we wish him well. We pray for him. And we will miss him. A part of us is going. Uh, next Sunday will be his last Sunday. And we will 
send him out in both services, praying for him, believing God's hand is on him. Now, those of you who are involved in student ministry, I want you to know this church is fully committed to raising up the next generation. We feel like God has called us to that. And so we have a, an intern team that has been running this ministry, and they will continue doing that. Uh, we've met with the small group leaders. Your kids' small group leaders will still be in place. We have a search that is about to kick off within the week, if not week, within two. And we trust that God is going to lead us, the next person here, and, and uh, the, the ministry will go forward, and, and we're going to continue reaching people. One of the things Cody has done well is he's not made the ministry about him. He has made the ministry about other people, his small group leaders. And, and we feel like this thing will go forward, and we're trusting God to do that. But it's not to say it isn't hard. So pray for us. The staff team, pray for us as a church, and we just trust that God will be honored in this transition.